Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show brought to you in association with our podcast partner, Levi's Solicitors. You can get cash off your legal fees with Levi's with 85 years worth of legal experience under their belts. Get to the Squareball landing page, get your discount, which is 10%, or you can up that to 20% if you are a key worker. Levi's covering off personal and commercial legal services. The page you need, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Squareball. Hello there. I'm called Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanson. Hello. As is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Don't know if you noticed, but we are the champions, champions of Europe and the whole world and the universe at the minute. And to mark that, we've released a whole load of champions and promotion merch. If you want to have a look at that, there are links to those on our website. It's the squareball.net. And in the pipeline, watch out coming soon, our promotion champions magazine commemorative summer special that you're going to want to get your hands on. All those things. Prior to that, we got our hands on the championship trophy. That was nice, wasn't it? It's been a jolly nice week. Has it started to calm down a little bit for you? I found it's the timelines are all still mixed up for me. I, there's been about six months since that, but it's then then the calendar tells me otherwise. I don't understand how it's only like a, a ten days or something since we were promoted. It's been going on forever. We've always been a Premier League team, as far as I can gather. I'm not sure why we people are saying otherwise. It also doesn't quite feel like it's finished. I sort of keep expecting there to be something else like happening tomorrow that we're going to be champions again. I'd like the the feeling of the trophy being lifted and the the promotion being won. I don't know. I think I've been in a sort of a a, a state of sort of hyper consciousness ever since when that Huddersfield goal was scored against West Brom. Like I didn't jump up and celebrate or anything. I just kind of looked at it and realised everything had changed, and I've not really recovered. Plus Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday's been relentless. It really has. No, you're right. I wasn't able to process the full magnitude of that goal going in for Huddersfield against West Brom at the time. And I think I'm only just processing it properly now. I was talking to Michael just before we started recording this, just before you um, joined the recording Moscow. And and I was saying it's kind of subsided for me a little bit now, but every now and then I just have a, a wave of like remembrance. I don't know what it is that keeps entering my head, but it keeps going promotion, won the league, romped it. And I just end up just like smiling for no reason. A bit like a maniac would, maybe. I just keep seeing little clips of the players having a nice time on holiday. And I think, those boys, they've done well. What a great bunch of lads. I love all of them. The picture of Stuart Dallas is trying to eat and looking as if he'd... Um, he, it kind of reminded me of if you wake up or you don't go to bed and then you decide you're going to go to the seaside... And then you get there and then the photos sort of after lunchtime are just of everybody realising what a terrible idea this was. 
Do you remember that photo of, I think it was like Paddy Kenny and uh, that sort of, all those kind of middling midfielders, you know, the identical midfielders we had? It was Van Dog, wasn't it? It was, and Paul Green was there, and I think David Norris as well. Great days. That holiday picture of them lot, I remember seeing that and just resenting them, their very existence. Probably Leeds United, whereas I've seen all the photos this week of like uh, a bleary-eyed looking Calvin Phillips and thought, those boys have earned it. They've worked really hard for this. Do you remember as well when Terry George dragged Chilino off to some godforsaken place for fish and chips? And uh, Chilino had that look as well as if he'd not been to bed and he was he was trying to get this fish down, but he could equally just be about to bring it back up again. I think Chilino always looked like that, didn't he? Whereas our players right now, I mean, the, the most recent thing I've seen is um, the players having a, a big dinner somewhere in Ibiza and Pablo Hernandez leaning over his phone, watching a live stream of uh, Castellon, the club he, he part owns, trying to get promoted. Come on, Pablo, have another drink. No, no, busy watching this. It does feel like a lifetime ago. You're absolutely right, Michael, but we did beat Charlton 4-0. And looking back on it now, we absolutely took the piss out of them, didn't we? We absolutely took the piss out of them in the same way that we kind of, maybe we started the job against Derby away and then we kind of just rolled it forward into the Charlton victory as well. We looked absolutely outrageous in those last couple of games. I don't think we gave enough. Uh, when did we last do? Did we do a match ball post Charlton? And then, and have we done another one since? I can't no. even remember. No, the Ben White goal, ridiculous. Like a ridiculous goal for a centre back to score. Unfair, really, for him to do that because he's. If we had any chance of affording him, he just goes and does that, and all of a sudden, probably sticks about another ten million quid on his price tag. So that was a bit unfair. He should have. He could have really hit that into the south stand. But where is he now? Right now, quarantine. I imagine asleep in an apartment with Calvin Phillips. I mean, if he's not signing for um, West Brom, then he's he's signing for Leeds. The theory that um, if he hangs out with Calvin Phillips and Tyler Roberts and goes on a holiday and stuff, um, then he's definitely going to sign for Leeds. Has its precedent in um, Kyle Bartley's permanent signing when uh, Luke Ayling and Mrs. Luke Ayling convinced him to come. So I don't see why that wouldn't work again. I would like to keep him though. From the Charlton game, we have signed Meslier now. Same difference, isn't it? Surely it's a simple conversion of Ben White to a permanent transfer. Absolutely, of course it is. Of course it is. We could get him on another loan, do a Jackie Harrison and just loan him forever from Brighton. I'm sure they would go for that deal. On Meslier, I don't I don't think we gave any real credit to his save in this game as well. I know he's not a huge amount to do really since he's come into the team at the end of the season because generally we've defended really well, but there was a, a header at the far post It just... I'd say it's probably the best save of the season. And it was in a completely meaningless game. He didn't even need to do that. He could have just let that go in like um, Bailey Peacock Farrell would have done, just watch it drop into the corner and then dive after he sees it rippling in the net. But he, he decided, no, do you know what? I've got a point to prove here. I'm going to actually stop some shots. There's been one or two like from, like that from him in the the game since he's come in. That you just had that feeling that maybe Casilla would not quite have done as well. Yeah, he does look legitimately like a a good keeper it's not just that whole he doesn't say racist stuff so he's automatically better it's that he is actually now he's he's played a good number of games in the championship and made probably as many saves as conceded all season he has done well but I suspect his finest act in this last week might have been the interview that he did with the club after signing his permanent deal when I don't know, I think, was it a three-minute interview, something like that? And he basically made love to my tender Yorkshire ears for about three minutes with that voice. I'm kind of hoping he might get into some uh, aggro when we play Burnley next season. There's some kind of Sean Dyche and Ilan Melier 
calling each other out in the press or a press conference more than come barging in to have a go at the other one. Returning to the Charlton game and that strike pass to Paveda with the knock inside to Shackleton, in any other season and any other game, we'd have been marvelling at that. This season, we've kind of just given it a little bit of an indifferent shrug because we've already won the league by this point. But huge credit to Strike for that pass. It's fantastic ball, wasn't it? I marvelled at it on the, the match ball, I seem to remember. And um, Pervader's touch inside to Shackleton was very good as well because everything about Pervader's body when he gets the ball kind of says dribble at all times. Like wherever he gets the ball on the pitch, he's got that little... He's got that demeanour about him where he thinks he's about to take on four and probably beat them. And he kind of did that then, but then very intelligent layoff. Stroik's performances in the last um, couple of games kind of made me optimistic about his place in the squad for next season, particularly after Baradi is now a fallen, wounded soldier as well, that obviously we need to keep Ben White or re- replace him. But then that backup slot, would you hate it for just to just be strike and Ollie Casey it'll be very nervous but we were nervous about not signing anybody to replace Janssen this season and all seemed fine I mean we do need to be careful to say that he's fit to play in the Premier League after he's played well against League One Charlton I think there is a, a bit of a step in class there so we probably should just buy Ben White anyway but it's nice to see him come in because he was one of those that I'd Almost expected to. We just hear one day that he left the under twenty one, under twenty three squad, and had been sold back to somewhere in Holland, probably. And we'd be thanking him for his time at the club, but that would be the end of him. But he's changed position, and he has grown his hair, and he looks very good. There's a consideration there as well with the um, category one status for the academy. It means that the under twenty threes are facing a higher class of under twenty threes opponent next season as well. So even if we don't loan anybody out because we've got such a paper-thin squad that we can't afford to. He will be playing against better players even outside our first team. And that seems to have come at a, a good time. I'm optimistic about it coming at a good time for players like him and Shackleton and Pervader and Gotts and Stevens who didn't really get a look in this season because we were going for the championship with all the experienced pros. But they'll be making a step up even in the under-23s team which hopefully will improve them, ready to win the Premier League. Wrapping up the events of the the final day. As you know, we won the league by, was it 10 points? And uh, we were past Brentford by about 25, something like that. Was that the final total? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was 55 points above Forest in the end, I think it was. Something like that. Those figures are not exact, but you get the idea. It was funny anyway, the final day. Basically, West Brom... Brentford and Fulham are all shit, it turns out. Fulham and then Forrest are shitter than all of them because they, they couldn't even avoid a five-goal swing to boot them out of the playoffs, which was it was quite funny. As was the video of the man punching himself in the face watching it, <laughs> which is, I mean, as, as Leeds fans, we probably know that feeling really well, so you shouldn't laugh at it, but we're not, we're not in that position now, are we? So it's funny. It was outrageously funny, was that? I laughed my little socks off at what Forrest did on that final day. And wasn't it nice, again, just to be... Uh, in the position that we were in just for once and they don't come around very often where nothing matters and you can just laugh at the misfortune of all the other clubs. I mean, we fast forward to the the playoff first leg. I mean, we're recording in between the two games, aren't we? Like uh, Swansea-Brentford was last night. Again, I kept having little, in the same way that I've had little waves of joy about Leeds winning the league, I kept having, I don't know if it's like almost flashbacks to the playoffs where I thought about the playoffs and suddenly I got like a, 
a rush of anxiety about it. And then I realised we're not in it and it doesn't matter and it's absolutely fine. And it was lovely to watch it almost dispassionately. What did you make of that first game? I didn't even watch it because the playoffs are a poxy competition for losers and we are, and we are champions. Who's in the other semi-final? It's um, Fulham against Cardiff. Who gives a fuck, really? Is, are they putting that on television? Are they, are they expecting somebody expecting somebody to watch? Apparently so. I mean, basically, the, the two semi-finals are just identical, aren't they? London against Wales, who cares? Well, I mean, automatically, Cardiff and Swansea should be going and play in their own league. I think we can all agree on that. So, I don't know, which of Brentford or Fulham do we want to go up? I think the only thing I... I will do one out of this is for it not to be Cardiff because the idea of Neil Harris in the fucking Premier League, that's not the point of us getting promoted. We got promoted to the Premier League to get away from little weasel dicked faced. I think I meant that the other way around. Him, basically. We got promoted to get away from him. And if he dares follow us by finally wriggling out of uh, Millwall and somehow fluking his way into uh, the playoffs with Cardiff just because Lee Tomlin might be able to kick a ball. Yeah, no, I, w- I won't allow it, especially because fucking Neil Warnock will pipe up, won't he? Ah, well, you know, I mean, I did a good job at, uh, at Middlesbrough. I think Neil's, Neil's done well with my team there. I, th- I thought I could have finished that job as well. Add that one to his promotion CV, won't he, the fucking prick? <laughs> what I will say is that of the four teams that are in the semi-finals, We've had a bit of needle with all of them at some point across this season. So I think you're probably trying to pick your your least worst option. I have to say now on record, I've got no truck with Brentford as a club generally, but there've been one or two dickhead moves this year. So I'm quite happy to see them not get promoted. And again, I really like Pontus Janssen. I'm kind of sad in a way that he missed out on our promotion, but equally I'm going to laugh at his misfortune at Brentford because that's the point of being a football fan. So I'd like to see him not go up. I'd like to see Thomas Frank not go up. And I would like to laugh at them. I've already got a mental tweet prepared in my head for unlucky lads. And we'll post that picture of you're here forever, you know, from the Simpsons. And thanks for Ben Rama is what the tweet will say. Well, you spoil it now. Everyone knows. Yeah, I, I also don't really care about Brentford, but they've just been a bit too pleased with themselves recently, haven't they? When they're on that run. And I know they're on like the best run they've ever had. So they're, they're entitled to be pleased, but we're also entitled to laugh at them when it ends. And when at the end of it, they've achieved nothing. A bit like Huddersfield's run of... 600 games where they didn't lose but were still not in the automatic promotion spots of League One. It's like you can do you can do all that stuff but it doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, leagues are fair. I know they can they'll feel like they're laying. The, the, the league the league table is not laying. 46 games not laying. They don't deserve to go up because they couldn't win one of their last two games, which is all it would have taken. All those wins in a row and then it got to the end of it and them and West Brom seem to both be actively trying to avoid promotion. And Thomas Frank, you see the post-match comments from Thomas Frank after the first leg. You know, obviously, there was the red card for that um, slightly erratic tackle by Rico Henry. And um, it was trash-talking the officials. And it was Keith Stroud. Big fan of Keith Stroud on this on this podcast. However, again, it doesn't really matter because it's funny because it's them. And he doesn't seem to learn from his mistakes. He's, again, said, we will win that game on Wednesday, the second leg. So he's kind of done Swansea's team talk for them. I know he's angry. But it just seems like a naive move. He doesn't seem to learn. Confidence can very quickly translate publicly into arrogance. And I wonder if even his own players are listening to that and kind of rolling their eyes and saying, oh God, yeah, he's he's done that again. As he, on Stroud, I would just like to say, a fantastic refereeing performance and uh, up there 
with some of his his finest work. He's a great referee and a quality butcher. Was it a red card? No idea. Didn't watch it. I've seen it since. Um, it is out of control. It's just also clearly get the ball. I think I would probably set on a, a yellow. But equally hearing Don Goodman going, no, 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 no. No, not even a foul. You, you know, if that was Berardi, he would have been instead giving it the, you can't go in like that. You know, he's out of control of his body. He's, he's off the ground there. His studs are up. You can have no complaints. Whereas when um, when it happened to be little Rico Henry doing it, he was almost in tears for him. Was Don. So no Don Goodman either. Don't have to listen to that twat anymore. So that's pleasant. I was, I was thinking, listening to him on that. I didn't watch it live, but I watched the, the highlights and just listening to him thinking, Ah, never again will you be in my ears. Not in a game that matters to me anyway. God bless that alleged Hearts fan, Phil Hay, who described this last week as the best week of his career by a mile. I think we enjoyed ourselves as well. You can really tell uh, in Phil's stuff that he's done this week on The Athletic that he's had, he's had a nice time and I'm sure he's looking forward to uh, to the Premier League and all the stories that that's going to bring forth. This podcast brought to you in association with The Athletic and you can get hold of uh, a sub for The Athletic 50% square ball discount is in place for a limited time only. Theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast that we do weekly with Phil Hay as well. The Phil Hay Show, available in your podcast player now. We spoke about the boss a little bit on the match ball after Charlton. That's a match ball that we definitely did, by the way. I just can't remember if there was another podcast in between or... Uh, I, I don't know. It's all a blur. There was one that we did after the uh, at the Brudenell, but that was on a stage. But I think there was a one after that. I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter, does it? Not at all, no. But uh, the boss does warrant a little bit of further discussion. I mean, we don't need to do this one to death because we did speak about it at the time and kind of resolved that you know we don't begrudge anybody going down to enjoy the celebrations of the trophy outside the East Stands uh, after the Charlton game. However, it did feel like a little bit of a kick in the teeth for those people who paid heed to the club's advice which was to stay away but by doing so you missed out on a great memory and a great opportunity and it felt a little bit irresponsible in the face of the uh, the general covid advice so we've had a little bit more on this yeah the trust put out a statement essentially saying more or less what we had said which was don't tell people not to go and then put on a massive show it doesn't seem quite fair it, it, it is a, a kick in the teeth for anyone who didn't bother going down and the club have been pretty silent on it since i feel like they should have maybe done something to apologize they maybe should have apologized but then if you go down the route of apologizing you go down the route of having to admit you're wrong and we're maybe in a bit of a, a kiko corner here where they've decided instead to just say nothing whatsoever about the slightly bad thing that happened it is an unusual one because uh for as much as you can uh dislike the fact that the the bus was there and that the people who went got to see the players on the bus and people who didn't go didn't I really enjoyed seeing Gatano Berardi shouting, I feel fucking great off the side of an open top bus and Victor Orta waving his arms around and shouting and all that kind of stuff. So I can't pretend that I didn't look at the footage of it and enjoy it. So I'm sort of uh, hypocritically um, complicit if I then say, no, this, this definitely should not have happened. And there was a little bit of, although it seems completely counterintuitive, this idea that they put on, the bus as a dispersal tactic all the reports from the scene seem to be that yeah actually once there'd been something everybody went instead of hanging around all night waiting for something to happen in large numbers but i would suggest that the the similar effects could possibly have been achieved without the bus and that's possibly the the biggest thing in this if if uh 
there could have been a scenario where all the messages work. And if the stay away campaign that the supporters trust led on all the way through had been fully supported and effective and nobody turns up, then great, no need for the bus. But then, as was predictable, hundreds of people did turn up, then plan B, do what they did um, after the Huddersfield West Brom game, go out on the steps, take the trophy, have it all just a repeat of that, and then say, right, you've seen the players, you've seen the trophy, they're not going to come back out, you all now need to go away. And it probably would have achieved um, exactly the same without the need of having to hire a bus and turning that into the the symbol of the event and the um, and what really symbolised people's correct frustration. I think, although I said after on the match ball, I'm quite mild about the whole thing from a personal point of view, and I think the um, the trust's statement about it got exactly right by pointing out sort of the different sides to it that you don't want to be in a position of condemning any fan who took the risk upon themselves of going down there. But I completely understand as well that the people who feel like they missed out on something are perfectly entitled to feel that way. And there's probably not, um, I don't know what good an apology would do really, but I do stand by what um, I said on the match ball, that when they do do a proper celebration when it is safe to do so it had better be fucking brilliant because the people who did not go deserve that at the root of this i think it's a touch of the dominic cummings is isn't it that there was a black and white message went out which was stay away but then actually the people who put out that message were operating in shades of gray however we shall move on from it Uh, michael you made a prediction apparently that you got right which makes it a nice refreshing change what did you predict i apparently predicted that carlos corbran would get the huddersfield job which I don't remember doing. It was on podcast 134, apparently. I think it was when he was being linked with that job in Spain. And uh, I just said, there's no point in him doing that. He'll get the Huddersfield job if he waits long enough. And he has. So well done. Did you put any money on it? <laughs> no, sadly I didn't. But um, yeah, he's gone, hasn't he? Best of luck to him, I suppose. Are you asked? Um, well, people seem to like him. Seems to be doing pretty well. I don't really know why he's taking it, though. I mean, I think, admittedly, I suspect when I said that, I don't even know when 134 was, I suspect it was at a time when Huddersfield weren't quite such a shambles. So, yeah, best of luck to him. He's going to need it, I think, because I don't get the impression it's a particularly well-run club anymore. Well, you know, they've they've taken steps to change that. You know who their um, new director of sporting operations, I think his, uh, his job title is. You know who that is? Is it Lee Bromby? It is Lee Bromby. That's his new boss. Long throws. That's what they're all about now. Head of football operations. I think he was appointed in May. And so his uh, one of his first acts is to get rid of the Cowleys and bring in Carlos Corbran. In fact, yeah, just looking at it, there's a very strange statement on the Huddersfield uh, website. It's not strange in and of itself, but if you remember Lee Bromley, Bromby, the photograph of him with his, his grey hair swept back and he's wearing a suit and it's... Um, it's Bromby. We're delighted to have Carlos on board. And uh, he's uh, expressing his delight at the appointment of Carlos Corbran. He had a key role in bringing him across Yorkshire. And it's like, yeah, I think for the long-term strategy of the club, the way we want to head the vision of the club and the playing style, he is the perfect fit, said long throw specialist Lee Bromby. He seems to be doing very well in his coaching career as Broms. It's just, it's it's strange to see players move on in that way isn't it I think in a way it's it's one of those where you think it, maybe this is a good thing for him because if he does really well 
for a season and Bielsa leaves, maybe it just is a way of giving him a bit of work experience. It's almost like because we can, we know now we're big time, we know we can get someone back off Huddersfield anytime we want. So we've just sent him out on loan there for a bit, see if he can do a job. If he can, we'll have him back. If not, he can stay or go manage someone like he can go Bradford next. That seems the obvious next step. It is very nice to have a feeder club in the lower leagues, though, that we're putting that infrastructure in place. I'm delighted about that. There seems to be rumours as well that some of our young players might be heading there on loan as a result of it, which is it's quite nice. I, I know we've had a, a forced rivalry with Huddersfield in these years, but like you say, if they can develop one or two one or two of our kids for us, even if they don't do anything for but for us when they come back, because they're probably not good enough because we're so good, it's nice to do a little, do the neighbours a favour, isn't it? Very kind of us. It's like the old days when I used to not mind Huddersfield because we never had to play them. We've seen the kits or leaks of them anyway. Hopefully they'll be out very, very soon. Probably once we've confirmed a, a shirt sponsor. White they're going for with the home kit, which comes as a relief when we get over towards Adidas. Yeah, I've not seen any mock-ups of the, as in proper prototypes of the home kit. There's there've been some more away shirt leaks on Twitter in the last day or two of the actual fabric shirts that have been produced. But what colour is it? Moscow, you seem to know the actual... Was it called like... Oh, it was, yeah, like indigo blue and avaricious green or something. I can't remember. <laughs> it had, it, they have names. We did look them up on a previous podcast. Yeah, it looks... It's, it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, it's a kit. Not asked. <laughs> it's better than... Uh, I've, I mean, everybody's seen the what Adidas have to offer in these these leaks. What's been really shocking me is the, um, as the kit reveals go around is that Macron have come back with their... Uh, all black with fluorescent yellow pinstripes with an absolute vengeance. Um, not have a, an away kit that is very much um, along those lines. It's it's more yellow than, than green than our was. I think, oh, oh, there it is. It's Bristol Rovers away kits that Macron have done. The whole thing, the sponsor is going to peel off imminently. It's black fluorescent yellow it's got about six different styles of color on it they've colorized the badge which if you're not familiar with bristol rovers badge it is a it's a drawing of a pirate pointing so that looks awful and it the whole thing the way it looks you know when you see pictures of people where they've had clothes painted on for charity Mm. it looks like that i've just got it open now it looks it looks to me like a bin bag which someone has decorated with yellow electrical tape if you can imagine that someone's someone's put some pinstripes on with that insulating stuff that you you know you can stick around a cable, gorgeous. At least we're out of that. Do you think Macron would have ever dared to do a, a maroon kit though? Because that's the big rumor that's come out this week. That'd be a brave move, looking like Bradford City, wouldn't it? I mean, there's some talk that this San Francisco 49ers uh, influence decisions. So who knows? Not that they play in, in maroon, but maybe they wanted red. Well, we saw a, a red mock-up in the Amazon documentary, didn't we? From last season, there was one doing the rounds I don't know I think it's disappointing to not have a yellow or a blue one but as we know now we're in the fashion industry ourselves with our merchandise it's trying to get shirts that people wear in a pub which clearly Macron have not thought about when they've made that bin bag shirt I mean it's uh, it's the solution if you are disappointed by the shirts that Leeds United do have on offer then the squareball.net will offer you a full range of merchandise in in great colours unbesmirched by such shockers is maroon unless it looks good in which case we'll probably rip the colors off and and do something with it i don't know what you're talking about anyway michael because the the away kit is going to be stripes isn't it and it is that bloody what is it it's you say blue obstinate blue and uh, suggestive green or whatever they are i mean it, 
Phil Hay assured us it was more of a Yeboah era away kit, but the mock-ups from this morning seem very much green and blue to me in a different different tone to that, but never mind. People don't know how to colour balance a photo and it always makes these weeks very frustrating for people trying to look at um, mobile phone photos of taken in the dark of shirts that may or may not be real. Probably better to just wait and see what they are. Let's just play some good football in them and everything will be fine. Yeah, it's hard to care too much, isn't it? Of more importance is what happens in the transfer market. Um, Radrazani said that he expects us to break our transfer record imminently soon this summer at some stage in the next six weeks one would hope because that's when the season starts young Jack Jackie Harrison is back on loan as we know he's good and I'm glad we're keeping him and it seems like a a smart bit of business that we're um, loaning him on either the same or very similar terms that the the right to buy has just been kicked back a year and we can use that money I think the uh, the deal was around the eight million pound mark which in the the market where held a cost of 16 is a bargain and sounds equivalent to what the Premier League were talking about taking off the TV deal that we get. We get £8 million less for being in the Premier League because we're essentially paying back the the pandemic fee that Sky charged all the Premier League clubs. So there's no doubt that the, the impact of the pandemic means that we were operating with a reduced budget. So to go to City and say, can we just loan in for another year and pay you next year? And for them to say, yes, is good. That works. And if he gets injured or something terrible happens to him or he can't cope with the Premier League, pretend we've never heard of him. Because that's the kind of club we are doing a John Kevin Hogstan. We just drop him and we play Pervader instead, who we got from Man City for nothing. And we spoke about Meslier as well further up in the podcast. So he's signed five million quids. Pocket change for us now, isn't it? Premier League leads. It is disconcerting to have a five million pound transfer being that's fine for a subkeeper all of a sudden because that's essentially where we are. Whereas a couple of years ago, we would have had Bates telling us it was the end of the world if we even considered signing someone for £5 million. Now we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll probably buy someone else as well, but it's fine for a promising youngster. Are we going to bring in Andy Lonergan as his number two? I don't know about you, but I've spent a fair amount of time on YouTube this week watching videos of players we've been rumoured to sign. One that I have been watching, and I'm sure you might have done too, uh, Jonathan David, who's the uh, the Canadian striker, 20 years old, who is playing in Belgium for again. Well, I say striker, he's, he's sort of more of a number 10 by the looks, but he plays slightly deeper than right up front. He looks a bit handy, looks all right. He's been, uh, been ripping it up in the Belgian league. One reason I'm very, very suspicious of him. First of all, two first names. I think we need to watch that. There'll be a bid from Brentford, won't they? Thomas Frank will be all over him. Bit of further research. And when I say further research, I mean having a look at him on Wikipedia indicates that his full name is Jonathan Christian David. Three first names. I've got a triple whammy there. On the other side, there is a, an article in the Foot National sports magazine that I translated from the French, which begins, he is pressing, he combines, he dribbles, he hits, and above all, he scores. The Canadian of Ghent ticks all the boxes of the attacker, too complete to be only a scorer, and prompts a single question. Why? Is he so strong? So they think he's quite good. Um, he's got uh, yeah, the stats from that. His expected goals in the Belgian league were apparently 16 and he scored 23. So it's like taking Pat Bamford and turning him inside out, which is um, helpful. And uh, he assists as well. That's the other thing. He's got 0.73 goals per game 
and 0.28 assists per game, which means that he does something decisive more than once in every game, which sounds good. Let's buy him. I mean, he's from the Belgian league as well, so obviously he's got that John Bataka pedigree about him. So if you can do it on YouTube and you play in Belgium, we know for a fact you'll be a star player for Leeds. Oh, now Bataka was in Holland when we signed him. He moved on to Belgium after Leeds. So oh, okay. uh, he's maybe a, a rung or two below Bataka in um, in his progress. He does seem decent. The other club that are after him is quite interesting because it's Lille seem convinced that he he wants to go there and they're talking about uh, preparing an even bigger bid. And of course it's Lille who Marcelo Bielsa is still locked in legal battles because he's suing them for £17 million for wrongful dismissal. They effectively sacked him before they were his last club, before he came to Leeds and he's still got quite a, a grudgeful thing going on with them. So whether that's going to be a, a factor in all this, that it's Leeds versus Lille, although at the same time, one of our twin towns... Leeds and Lille, uh, along with Dortmund, I'm fairly sure we should have 50% rights to Erling Haaland before now, if Dortmund were playing fair by the uh, the terms of our town twinning agreements. And Lille, if they do sign him, we should we should get to share him. It does look genuinely good, though, from the clips, I have to say. Admittedly, it's got all the usual caveats that some of him playing in Belgium, some of him playing for Canada, where he's playing against people like um, Martinique and the US Virgin Islands. I don't know a huge amount about their football, but they're not very good, is the, the summary of it. But he does, he finishes, he looks perfect. There's loads of clips of him picking up the ball in midfield and just running through people over and over again. So we don't really have anyone who does that at the moment. I think the only problem with him is uh, he's 20 as well, which is a good age, but isn't he going to be something like 20 million quid, which is that Premier League fear where backup goalkeepers are 5 million and 20-year-old kids off YouTube. I mean, we didn't pay 20 million for Philippe de Costa, did we? One other interesting link back to our past, and you know, it's always nice to see these little uh, bits of circular narrative. Gerald Krasner is the one who's dealing with our apparent bid for Joe Gelhart, who's the young lad, the striker at Wigan. Presumably, I don't know uh, what happens in this. We get Joe Gelhart and we give him Ellen Road for nine million quid or something like that. Have you seen Gerald Krasner now? Have you seen him? What the, I mean, he, he was not an attractive man when he was kicking around Leeds the first time. He's absolutely terrifying. He need, it may have been bad lighting on the webcam that he was on Sky on, but Jesus. I mean, this Joe Gelhard, he probably just wants to get away from Wigan as as quickly as possible for the fear that Gerald Krasner will pop up from under his bed or something. Let's just get him out of there. He doesn't deserve this. He's been compared to Wayne Rooney as Joe Gelhard, which from my extensive YouTube research seems to be because he's got very pink cheeks. And his scouse. That as well. A ruddy-cheeked scouser, uh, much like the next lad that we're on about, Thiago Almeida, who is the 19-year-old Argentinian at, and again, circular narrative, Vélez Sarsfield, who were previously managed some years back by... Marcelo Bielsa, he won the league with them. Surely he'll want to walk here, young Thiago. I mean, he's, he's actually making the right noises anyway. And his manager at the moment is former scummer, Gabriel Heinze as well, so we need to get him out of there as well. So we'll have him too. So how much have we spent here? So we're spending £30 million on... Jonathan Christian David, and then another 20 on Almada, then another, I don't know how much we're going to get Gellhardt for, probably four, four or five million there or something. 18 million on Jean-Kevin Augustin. That's good, I'm glad. Zelda Costa obviously spent that money. Is it run out yet? The old premiership money? We're keeping that 8 million for Jackie Haradona, aren't we? So there's a the saving. What was uh, what was your number for Ben White? Oh shit, yeah. Um, 
we're going to have to probably pay about 50 for him, aren't we? No. He's had one season in the championship. Football's mental, though. I know it is, but, but that Brighton clown who was, who was on our timeline arguing that he'd be more than Harry Maguire and things like that. Like, bloody, what are you talking about? He's had one good season in the championship, but whilst he's looked exceptionally good, you know, we're in a bit of a depressed market and um, it's, it is still only one good season in the championship. I, you've got to, it's got to be 20 to 25 that gets him out of there. I predict Harry Maguire will soon be having a good season in the championship for Manchester United. Anyway, back to your lad Almeida, who's 19 years old, has been saying, I would like Bielsa to coach me. My friends sent me something about Bielsa. Hope it was a good thing. Maybe a nice card, something like that. Some flowers in the post. Uh, but I am calm. Whether it happens or not, we have to see. I don't watch much soccer, me neither. But I saw some Leeds highlights and I saw something similar to what we did in Velez with Gabriel Heinzer. I mean, the fact that that scum bastard is trying to rip off Bielsa's style, I'm massively offended at that, to be honest. So he should, um, can he resign and we can have him for free? I think that's how football works. I think Gabriel uh, Heinzer has already resigned. No, I mean, I mean our boy, so we, can have him, so we don't have to pay a fee for him. Just say, just say he doesn't like it there anymore and leave. It is quite exciting to have uh, Transatlantic come and get me, please, of this nature, isn't it? And let's move on to actual Lionel Messi and some shit internet rumours. There's been quite a few that have been doing the rounds this week. Might be right, might be not. Let's run through them quickly. I think shit internet rumours is a section we're going to have to start over somewhere. We'll handle anything that seems to have a bit of substance to it. Because like the, the Jonathan... Um, Jonathan David stuff, the, one of their directors did confirm they'd had a bid and stuff, so we'll talk about that properly. The things where it's just something on one of those websites that just churns out rumours, we'll just handle it all in one quick section. Has there been any updates on Danny Welbeck's future? He's obviously been relegated, hasn't he, with Watford, which I believe is going to activate a release clause, actually. So we, we could have him for £5 million, I think, and he's very keen to join. We will need a defender if Ben White doesn't come, and I'm not sure how well... Thomas Vermaelen is adapting to life at Vizel Kobe, so could still be space for him in our squad if he if he fancies a move back to Europe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a, another Belgian player, so he can help Jonathan David settle in. <laughs> Jonathan David being Canadian, of course. Well, all right. And uh, Jordan Bataka hadn't played in Belgium before he came to Leeds. What's your point? Do we have any Canadian speakers in the squad? Will Kevin Sharp come back and do a job there, translating for us? I knew there was one. There you go. And also your uh, your good friend who you saw in a, a pre-season friendly, uh, Marcus Haber. I think that's about all of our links there, isn't it? Right, anyway, back to the shit internet rumours. Edison Cavani, <laughs> on about three trillion quid a week. Don't think that's going to happen, do you? It wasn't the first of this, because wasn't Radvitsani saying that he tried to talk about him and Zlatan Ibrahimovic back in January? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the Sun just ran it to get a few clicks, in all honesty. We're going to have to deal with a lot of that. And you do wonder if maybe he's doing a few favours for like his agent mates. Is it you know the the company he used to have shares in Football Capital? Whether he's just if I say this, it'll get a bit of traction, and maybe somebody comes in and signs these players for me, pals. I think there's going to be a pattern to these rumours. There's going to be people who are out of contract, like on this list. Adam Lalana was at one website was running a story saying we were going to be in for him and the source of it was Danny Murphy said he thought we should sign him and I I mean I, I may have missed this announcement but I don't think Danny Murphy is employed by Leeds United or has any say in anything so that's not going to happen but there's going to be out of contract people general Argentinian players we're going to be linked with and then anyone Bielsa has ever 
encountered before. So like two of them were Claudio Bravo and Mauricio Isla, who's a right back, Fenerbahce, who I'd honestly never heard of before. He's like a 32-year-old right back. We're clearly not going to sign him, but it's linked anyway. You know how this, we've discussed how this works before though. It'll be things like Danny Mills tells Marcelo Bielsa he must join Lionel Messi at Barcelona. That's how it works. And Marcelo Bielsa goes, well, I mean, if Danny Mills is saying that, then I guess I'd, I'd better go over there. It does go back to what we were saying about Danny Welbeck before, actually. And for anybody who's not aware of what we did with that, we just started a Twitter rumour just for fun and told everybody, we are making up a rumour now that Leeds are going to sign Danny Welbeck. And before you know it, it was getting reported and it actually made it into the papers, didn't it? And we were quite frank and open about it and said on the podcast, we have made this up. And yet it got, it took on a complete life of its own. No one cares that it's made up though. That's the thing. We didn't arrange for him to have his photograph taken in the St. John's Centre though, did we? That was entirely Danny Welbeck's own input into the, the shenanigans. <laughs> um, one that has come up is Saeed Benrahma, the lad at Brentford, which I joked about earlier on. There's no real substance to this other than, and we and, you know, generally do trust the man, Phil Hay said that Leeds are keen on him and that will obviously play out according to what happens with Brentford in the playoffs. Would you like someone like Benrahma? Yeah, he looks very good from what I've seen. Bit of a diver, but I'll allow it because he plays for Leeds. <laughs> and that's how football works. <laughs> and Eze as well at QPR yeah let's have him too how much have we spent here oh we've dropped a cool 100 there haven't we so far it's great this unlimited this, this um, football manager cheat that you get when you get to the Premier League where you've got all the money there's also you've got to bear in mind whether a, a player um, has a, a contract with Adidas or not that suddenly has a bearing as well where uh, um, oh no he's, he's signed with Nike so he might be difficult to come but oh no if he's already wearing Adidas boots then hmm could be, could be. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, we told you all the way back in August that we were going to be promoted this season. And not only us, but Eden J. Harris, him and his mates conceived an idea that they would have an end of season promotion party based on our old feature, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, the booze bat on the God Rod or whatever. I can't bloody remember. They've all, it's all merged into one with the stress of us getting promoted. So the idea being that the promotion party would be in Leeds at the start of the season. And then when we were defeated, which we were by Stoke in the League Cup, it would pass the Stoke and then so on and so forth. And it ended up having a domestic and a European split, which happened around Liverpool's defeat to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. And um, so we have two UK batten. We now have a definitive ruling on where that is going to finish up. So one of our options for the, uh, for the promotion party, which is. It's convenient. It's Southampton. Hooray. At least it's not a long drive. I mean, it's, in fairness, there's a big leads following down in Southampton. The Hampshire Whites have, I've always had a brought buses and stuff to Leeds games, so there's a decent core down there. It's all right. It's Southampton. I'd um, well, I've had mixed memories there. There's the old um, mate getting arrested, sleeping in a car, all that business, which I've, I've gone through before. Let's, we'll not talk about it again. But there was the the four three game there, which I had, a, I had a lovely time that day. Although I think the pub I spent that day in has now been turned into a Tesco or something, so I can't go back there. But we'll find some something to do in Southampton, won't we? It could have been worse. I mean, Southampton practically is Central Europe, isn't it? So maybe we shouldn't have split them off after all. Well, depending on where the booze baton ends up, the European variant, sorry, we could we could always just hop straight on a ferry from Southampton and go somewhere else because could, that could still end up all over the place, couldn't it, because of Atletico being in the Champions League still. So we'll maybe just pencil it in for a fortnight away, is all I'm saying. I'm sure it'll be fine. It is worth stressing that Atletico have got the European version of this. Now, the Spanish season, that has that now finished? Yes, that is done. And they are still in the Champions League, so how that plays out will determine where this ends up because it's it's going to be one of those destinations for the final um, batch of clubs that are in the Champions League. So it, it could be a glamorous big city trip that happens if we can indeed ever get out of this country uh, for a party. Yeah, we should stress that we're not going to do any of these things until it's safe. Having criticised uh, the football club for having an open-top bus, it needlessly having one of a, a heroic promotion us going on a massive lads weekend to um, to Southampton would probably be equally irresponsible. So we'll wait until we're allowed to do it, but we will do it. Can we all just bomb into Calvin and Tyler and Ben's lads villa that they've got? I don't know how near it is to uh, Madrid, but same country. Let's have a party. I think as well, we need to wait. I was having a look at where we could have it in Southampton. Uh, we need to wait until Oceana's open again as well, because the reviews of that place are... Very niche, one of them. Went to Cheeky Tuesdays, which is free entry with a banana. Our friend has a pay entry because a banana had a tiny slit in it. <laughs> so if you're gonna, if we're gonna do it, make sure you got a non a non split banana, because otherwise you're gonna be probably having to pay up, upwards of two pounds to get in there. 
Levi Solicitors sponsor this podcast and you can get a discount for going through us if you head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 10% off for you as a discount or up to 20% for key workers at the moment. They do all sorts of stuff. We'll cover off all the areas of law. So if like you're moving house, for example, or you've got employment issues at work, whether you are an employer or an employee, get in touch with Levi's and they will sort you out. levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains now, and it's been a great week slash fortnight of tremendous heroics, but that's not going to stop us doing the Ken Bates Villainy Award first. Ken, first nominee? I think we should just nominate the actual Ken. Now we're out of this league, just for all of the, the years he'd made us suffer in this league. I can't explain the many, many ways in which I hate him. We did originally used to nominate him himself, didn't we? Until he moved on. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of a like a, a return to form. I don't know if anybody listening to this has looked on the website and seen my report on the Derby County match, which for some stupid reason I decided it would be a good idea to maybe write that report as a as a brief history of what had happened uh, beginning with us being relegated against Bolton in 2004. About a, a, a week of depressing stress and 15,600 words later, I emerged from it uh, with my hatred of Ken Bates, among several others, um, not just intact, but boosted. When you remember in detail all the terrible things he did and that happened to us and the way it was all done, the manner of it, it's um, it's a lot. And fuck him. Another gentleman who we can apply that to, um, Fraud Lampard, Fragile Frank. He keeps doing bits, doesn't he? He keeps doing bits of Frank Lamparding. Yeah, it's almost becoming a verb in its own right now, a bit of a Lamparding. I feel like there's a flowchart someone could produce as to whether or not something is acceptable or not. And the Frank Lampard version is basically, does it directly affect me? And if the answer is no, it's fine. If the answer is yes, it's a problem. Because that's how Frank Lampard operates. It's like the whole, this This is some Liverpool, someone on the Liverpool bench being a bit gobby towards him or something, or celebrating too much, or I don't know, there's some fucking thing he didn't like about over-celebrating and then he, obviously people were cutting it with him celebrating a semi-final win at Ellen Road. He's just a dreadful, dreadful, privileged little twat who, who, has done, who has done now two years of management, neither of which were any better than his predecessor. Who were both, They were both heavily criticised. Like, Sarri got absolutely torn apart by the press last year in this country and did a better job. He had more points than this. And Frank Lampard's going, oh, but he's had, a, he's had this transfer ban but he still managed to get Pulisic and Kovacic. He's got like a hundred million pounds worth of young midfielder in the team. And they're like, oh, what a heroic job he's done. Good old Frank. When people jump up, want to speak across to myself, smirk and smile and do so for quite a while, I think that is past the code, Lampard said. The code that he has invented. Ben uh, Machel, who's... Um, a journalist and a Leeds United fan has tweeted today perfectly accurately that Lampard is going to perform a citizen's arrest at some point next season, which it will be. And nobody will have a clue what it's for, but apart from he'll have, uh, be feeling some kind of offence. And I mean, we can talk about these people now because we are their peers, but um, Jurgen Klopp saying that Lampard needs to learn to leave it on the touchline and basically not cry about it in his post-match press conferences, which... We even saw that last season when um, Bielsa did his 70-minute press conference about demonstrating all his his, um, 
his data collection techniques and Lampard did that. You know, we do analysis too. You know, it and to open his press conference, his post-match press conference with that, and given that the Bielsa's press conference has happened at, at like five o'clock that evening, and it's now ten o'clock at night, and the first thing Lampard could think of to say was that. You know, and then he he tries to pretend that he's somehow he's he's not bothered by anything and nothing affects him, and he's the mature actor in all this. God, I I hope, I really hope we're back to full stadium capacities before this idiot brings Chelsea to Elland Road next season, because I feel like a an, an empty stadium will just be a waste of a golden opportunity to actually make him cry. And you absolutely know that. Chelsea versus Leeds will be the opening day fixture for this next season. 100%. percent be a shame if it was because there'd be no crowd there. So, I don't know. Although we'd, the benefit of there being no crowd there the other week was that you could actually hear Lampard getting upset, which was, which was nice. As part of his recent little round of entitlement as well was when people were asking him about the opportunities for black managers and things. And I think, I think it was Raheem Sterling had said something about how people like Lampard and Gerrard have been given top jobs and, and other players haven't been. And... Sol Campbell was one of the names mentioned and Lampard basically said, yeah, it's because, you know, we've, we've been willing to take the jobs and we all work hard and it, that we all get what we deserve on it. It's like, well, Sol Campbell had to take a job at an absolutely falling apart Macclesfield, then had to take a job at an absolutely falling apart South End to get back into management after that. It's like, you went to Derby, which were one of the most well-funded championship clubs, failed and then stumbled into a Champions League club. So maybe not exactly the same, Frank, but... If you think it's down to your own hard work more than anything else, then then you go ahead. His uncle literally could not get him a better job. What did you know? How much harder do you think he, he wanted to work? If Leeds United do want to uh, repair any of the damage to goodwill over the open top bus, hire it again and park it outside Lampard's house full of Leeds fans. That would get me back on side. Put that in the documentary. That would be a good watch. Moscow, you've frequently fallen back on the stats of whoscored.com in the preview sections of these podcasts. They've served us well for years. Excellent. However, we can now confirm that they are the internet charlatans that we always said they were because their team of the year, as posted by Sky Sport, had just the one Leeds player in it, which was Luke Ayling at right back. A load of other shite from clubs like Fulham and Brentford and basically clubs that finish below us in the league and are therefore not as good as us. Three Fulham players. You can't have a team of the season that is only made up of the, the league champions. That's the, the whole point of it is you're looking across the division to see who has performed well, but maybe got not got the recognition, and uh, and I think that the uh, the metrics that whoscored.com have applied to uh, to the division in order to put this team together really brings out um, that quality. I've been saying all season that um, Sean Morrison at Cardiff is certainly a better centre back than than Ben White, and should be a player that we're looking to sign. That said. Ben Rama and Eze are both in this team of the year who will both be Leeds players within a matter of weeks. So technically we've got three players in there. I mean, it is a full... If anyone's ever seen Garth Crook's team of the week that he does, when he just basically will he will pick a team full... If someone scores, they're in the team. But it means he'll end up having like Harry Kane playing on the left wing and Sergio Aguero in a holding midfield role and Raheem Sterling at right back because he's been like, well, I can still... I want to squeeze everyone in. I mean, the midfield is Ayu, who is basically a right-sided striker, as far as I can work out. And then Pereira and Eze, who are both attacking midfielders. And left wing is Ben Rama, who again is, I would say he's not a left midfielder. He's more of a 
a left-sided striker and then two strikers up front as well, just for good measure. So, I mean, looking at this team, I think Hutchinson and Morrison at centre-back are going to have to be quite busy and on their game to to try and prevent the goals going in. And that's why they've accurately recognised that Luke Ayling is a valuable inclusion at, at right back because they'll they need a player of its quality to to cover there. So excellent team. We need to mention Birmingham for retiring the number twenty two shirt, an act of ridiculousness for Jude Bellingham, who is what, a little more than a fetus and he's gone to Borussia Dortmund and they have retired the shirt for him. Uh, which is it's stupid. I first saw this on Twitter and I was genuinely worried he'd died. When I saw people I saw all the tweets saying the retired shirts for him and I was thinking, oh no. That's a shame. He was a really, he was a really talented young footballer. Turns out he's just left. Ridiculous babies. Football league. What are they having a nomination for? Apart from all their crimes over the last sixteen years. I think all of that, and just for the way this season's ended, it makes me glad we're leaving it. When you see the way it's ended for Wigan, and the fact that they're going down on a points deduction, which has been instantly implemented while they're still trying to punish Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, and coming down into this division, they're going to have Bournemouth who broke the rules last time they were here, but got away with it. It's just not fair. The people who get shafted uh, are not the people who deserve to be shafted in this league, I don't feel. And the many ways they've stitched us up over the years as well. I continue to admire Barnsley Football Club's stance on all this. And they almost seem to be demonstrating how you you should cope with the championship. I know that um, Massimo Cellino tried it a little bit at Leeds when he refused to let Sky in for games and stuff like that. But he was always piss and wind with Cellino. But the... um, Barnsley's determination to sue anybody who even so much as slightly crosses them is something that's really uh, admirable. The way that they're they're calling they're calling clubs out specifically. Another competitor has yet to pay a transfer fee to Barnsley Football Club that was due in August of 2019. Several clubs have been delinquent in payment to contracted players. One ownership group completed a takeover and provided funding to a club without ever being approved by the EFL. On and on. And they're pointing out that they're on a substantially smaller budget. They've paid every professional player under contract 100% of their wages this season. One of the few championship clubs to do so. And there has to be a a change in the, the season. And I wish Barnsley sincere good luck with that. But for as long as we're in the Premier League, do not give a fuck. Come on then, other nominations. Let's chuck some shade. Uh, Jeremy Cross from the Daily Star. I think he's their chief sports writer. He started as their Manchester correspondent and he was the first the first one over the line. I imagine there would have been a bit of a, a race to get this through for the, the headline. And he was there with Leeds. Remind all of the club's flaws with disgraceful behaviour of fans clashing with police. This was the um, the celebrations when we... We won the league and he does um, a full-on hit job listing everything that the club has ever done wrong and really going into such detail that he brings up this absolutely shocking episode in our history. When Leeds signed Rio Ferdinand in 2018 million pound deal that made him the most expensive defender in the world, he was paraded on the pitch in a white suit looking like an extra from Saturday Night Fever. So here we are, 20 years on, and Jeremy Cross is still livid about Rio Ferdinand's suit on the pitch at uh, Elland Road in, in 2000. And to, to really have borne that grudge for so long, it's actually, I start to admire him, and he, he's brought it up today as well. Apparently the, the biggest crime of the last week, apart from 
um, some scuffles with the the police. And if you were fighting with the police during any of our celebrations, probably not a good idea. I don't approve of that. And the, the litter that was cleared up very quickly could have been tidier. But Jeremy Cross isn't even... I mean, that speaks for itself when compared to uh, Angus Kinnear ploughing on undeterred with an interview to television containing a narrative all too familiar and depressing. What did Angus say? He said, I think next year the team will go out every week and play swashbuckling, attacking football. We'll show no fear. We'll show no team any respect. We're not going to be scared. And I think we'll give lead supporters another year they can be proud of. Jeremy is absolutely right in calling out those disgraceful comments. Leeds are now dining at the top table of English football again and need to learn some manners. And fast, the club needs to focus on showing some class instead of being crass. I think that was, uh, I don't think this was on the page that has the tits on. Or if the, does the Daily Star still have page three? Who knows? I don't know. I was, it's not 1972 anymore, is it? Couple of things, Bosco. Number one, this is Jeremy Cross, uh, formerly of the Yorkshire Post, who lived and presumably, well, presumably lived, but worked in Leeds for many years. So we saw that suit close up. The suit didn't even happen. Well, this is my second point. This is my second point. He was in a long brown coat. Yeah, he's, he's wearing a lovely, it's like sort of a grey, brown, fawny coat. Do you know where the white suit happened? Old Trafford when he signed for them. That's where that happened. Dick. Well, it, Leeds probably made him wear it. This crass bastard. As for the uh, Angus Kinnear's familiar and depressing narrative that we're going to play swashbuckling, attacking football in the Premier League and show no fear. Oh my God, how how will anybody recover? I mean, we know that we're going to get loads of this and we, we don't need to dwell on it. We're probably making far too much of it as it is and he'll be frightening a squirrel with his erection as we speak. Only in terms of like comparative size, I'm not implying that he has a squirrel nearby <laughs> but congratulations Jeremy for for getting this one in so early I look forward to much much more of this coverage this season and if anybody does want to buy a Leeds Scum R Back t-shirt the squareball.net we'll be uh, donating absolutely fuck all from sales of those t-shirts to Jeremy Crosses buying him a, a glass of piss that he can cry on I think maybe we need to launch a special hashtag for this hashtag FJC JC stands for Jeremy Cross. You can work out what the F stands for yourself. It's got to say, as long as it's not Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nathan Jones bombing up the boat away from Luton. No, let's let's not try and get into religious strife. That's not not what we're here for. Jesus Christ, from what I know of his works, was fine. He's all right. Leave Johnny, Johnny Cash out of it as well. Do you know, there's, I've got a genuine question about this, and I do wonder, people like this, I'm sure he gets paid handsomely for what he does, but surely he must look at himself in the mirror or read the shite that he's churning out and going, is this, have I reached the pinnacle of my industry working for the fucking Daily Star writing shite like this? That is, let's face it, it's designed to attract clicks because Leeds United attracts clicks. And that's it. You know, it's just nothing more than that. You, you might as well be sat in a bot farm just churning this shit out or working for one of those shit clickbait websites because that's really all it is. Danny Mills tells Jeremy Cross to get a right job. If those are all our nominees then, who's having the award? Uh, I mean, can we give it to the Football League as a parting shot? Yeah, I think that's fair. We're um, we're passing responsibility for everything that happens from now on to Barnsley FC, but this is this is our farewell and fuck you. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time for Premier League beef in the coming um, weeks and months and years, so um, we'll crack on with that. Give that one to the EFL then. Up yours. We're off. 
Right, the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Heroes, the Leeds United team, for everything, everything you've done. Yep, for the season, for the the holidays they're all having. It's nice to see that they're in big groups on holiday, though, and there's some genuine friendships within the squad, because there are times when you've you kind of thought that mainly hate each other, judging by the way they play. So to have them all actually being friends and, and what have you, even with uh, people who don't belong to us like Ben White, it's nice. And it's been an amazing year, so they enjoy it. They've done well, haven't they? Not just the the parties, but I thought that um, winning the title was quite good. Yeah. We did that ages ago, though. <laughs> Why haven't they done it again? Marcelo Bielsa's got to have a nomination as well because he's just brought so much joy and a completeness to me that I haven't felt in many years. Yeah, there was a concern that he wouldn't enjoy this title win as much as he deserved to, but in his own way, he definitely is. You can tell. He loves it. So we can stay, So now he can stay forever. The clip of him when Barry Douglas asks him if they can have mañana libre, if they can have tomorrow off, and he says in Spanish, mañana, and then Samado, Dominche, and lists all the days of the week and said, you're having them all off. Dominche? What is the Domingo. Spanish for Sunday? Domingo. Well, it may be Dominche in <laughs> French, I don't know. I'm, I'm out on a limb here trying to remember my GCSEs. I did German, and all I can remember from my German GCSE is a Krankenhaus, which is hospital, and um die Ecke, which is round the corner, but it sounds a bit rude. Anyway, that was good. And so seeing him doing the jokes and stuff like that was great. I think he would join me in uh, since I have been pulled up on my poor grasp of European languages. He would agree that whoever wrote Biesla on our notes here above this should have a, a nomination. I'm assuming it's Michael. Probably, yeah. Fool. Do you know what? I, I was still looking at that and I didn't even know I spelled it wrong. I know what the word is. If it starts with a B, it ends with a La. It, my brain instantly will just process that as Bielsa. But you still spell Ridsdale with one D as well, don't you? Chilinio. Chilinio. Tom, Tom Leeds. Could never write Tom Leeds without putting a D at the end of it either. My fingers just wouldn't allow it to happen somehow. How do you spell Keith Stroud? Is it P-I-G? <laughs> hey. Yeah, he's on the list too, just because it's, it's funny when it's not happening to us. He's bad referee. I, I did notice as well, which... Um, this was just posted in, on the, I think it was a Brentford thread of people complaining about him, but him giving a, a free kick outside the box to AFC Wimbledon when a, an incident occurred about two yards inside of it. It's just brilliant. He's so, the thing with Stroud was, he was always so fucking pleased with himself and his decisions. Like you can tell he absolutely just loved refereeing in a way that was unhealthy. He's unrepentant. Whether he's right or wrong, he is unrepentant. With everything. And what Stroud really gets my goat for is that he gives decisions based on the reaction of the players. So if you roll around enough or dive enough, you get the free kick, regardless of what's actually happened. Goats as well now. Right, let's move on. Uh, Shandy Pants 1977 has been in touch, who did us a great service. And, well, Leeds United fans as a whole, who, if you've been listening to this podcast across the last season, you would have heard our, our talking of uh, Ken Bates, the councilman in Casper, Wyoming, in the United States of America. And Shandy Pants went to track him down. Yeah, I mean, it was part of a trip. I don't think they were... I think he's going somewhere else uh, needed to stay somewhere. But, I mean, from what we've seen of Casper Wyoming, there's not a huge amount to recommend it apart from infected swimming pools and uh, some free parking meters in town, which have, even that's debatable. But, yeah, we, he's he's gone and visited. And there's a nice statue and stuff. Big welcome to Casper. There's him and his kids there all in lead shirts, uh, stood doing the salute in front of it. So, very, very good effort. Imagine trying to explain to anybody like the hotel, oh, what brings you to Casper? Well. Heard it's the oil city. Big fan. Big fan of the oil. 
well, they've, they've got the freedoms to, to go there, haven't they? Which Ken would stand for, if not um, the freedoms of his Facebook page, which remains completely shut down. What was terrific about this was the uh, amount of work that went into going to Casper, Wyoming, to do that with kids in the car. Is this something like a six-hour detour that this maniac has, has gone on? It was worth it anyway. Or maybe not. He did say that I think he had an eight and a four-year-old in the car and it was a 10-hour journey or something all in all. So, I mean, Christ. I hope it was worth it. I hope there was something there other than um, a dubious politician. I've still not tracked him down. He's crowded down either. I know the club have done the um, the thing now where you can look on to see where your crowd ended up, but there's no way of finding it other than here's pictures of the entire stadium. And I've not yet gone through to find Casper Ken with his Vern Troyer shirtless body, but I will at some point. And let's give some love to the people of Ashington as well, who turned out in great, great numbers for Jack Charlton's funeral. And not only that, the tributes that went on in Ireland at the same time as well. Just a huge turnout everywhere, it felt like. This is one of those things that feels like it was ages ago now, but it, it really wasn't. And it was great. And I think they're trying to fundraise for a statue to be built there as well, because of he was very much a part of the of the town around all the um, the minor strike and stuff. He was he was kind of involved in that, wasn't he? So never forget where where, where he was from. And um just loved by everyone, everywhere we ever went, it seems. so. I did see one obituary in, in one of the papers that described him. I can't remember the exact phrase he used, but the implication was that he was the people's Charlton, which you kind of like. So Bobby might have the knighthood, but Jack was the one that certainly had the, the love and affection of, of everybody, really, which is unusual for a, a Leeds United player because they tend not to be universally loved. I mean, not being a scum bastard does also help a little bit. <laughs> There's that too. Speaking of which, another hero that links beautifully, Rachel Daly, who I did not watch the playoff semi-final charade because I was watching the final of the NWSL Challenge Cup streaming live on Twitch, which felt very modern and very quickly closed the chat window because that was confusing next to the the match. But yes, the National Women's Soccer League in America held a, a bubble tournament. They were the first team sport to come back to playing over there in uh, Utah and Houston Dash, who someone can convert the the odds, decimal odds. Apparently, they were two thousand to win this. What's that in proper money? If it's decimal, that's two thousand to one. Essentially, right? They were two thousand one to win this, and they have a history. Whereas we're typical leads, people say about them, same old Dash, that they never win anything, they never do anything good. But this season, or for this tournament, they appointed Harrogate's own Rachel Daly as captain, and she finished it lifting the trophy. They won against Chicago Red Stars on Sunday, and she lifted the trophy. She also won the Golden Boot, and she was the tournament MVP. There's a fantastic photo of her on Houston Dash's uh, Twitter account in her charcoal and pink leads away kit, drinking. They gave them a glass trophy full of Budweiser for winning this on a sun lounger with a, a bleeding knee, looking very... Very pleased with herself. She's an ex-Leeds United Ladies player, but when Leeds United Ladies in 2011 didn't form part of the, the decline to be part of the Super League system that was starting in America, she ended up shuffling off to Lincoln just because they were in the um, Premier League. And she is a England international, has been at the, the World Cups and was very, very good in this game, playing as a, a lone striker. There was a great moment early on when they were already leading and she headed a, a ball through and there was nobody close enough to um, pick it up on pick up on it and she went full Baradi at the rest of her team, which is a, a good thing to be doing in the, the first 15 minutes of a, a match. So well done to a, another 
trophy to add to the Leeds Hall this week. We're claiming this one. A nod in the direction of Berardi, if we could as well, who um, stayed on to play for Leeds, despite being out of contract and has ended up paying the ultimate price for agreeing to a short-term deal, but has been obviously worth it for you know for the rewards that, that we've got out of this. And it seems like the club are going to look after him as well from what we kind of hear, so which he deserves because, yeah, he's played a good part in the season and it'd be completely wrong to just shit on him because we've got, oh dear, you're broken, are you? Okay, out the door. I mean, I know we did earlier talk about doing exactly that with Jackie Harrison, but he'd have somewhere to go, wouldn't he? We wouldn't be putting him on the streets. We'd be sending him back to uh, Man City. And it's not only that Berardi did well this season, it's six years he spent trying to get out of the championship with Leeds. And I remember when we, we interviewed him, we said that's why he, he came to Leeds. They told him, you're going to be part of a, a promotion attempt. And his first manager was Dave fucking Hockaday. I think he quickly realised that he'd, he'd absolutely got himself into one of the stupidest situations you could manage. And was probably, um, he did have some Serie A experience. So he was he was better suited to the championship than some of the Serie B players who even one of the things Brady told us was that, yeah, there's only maybe 10 teams in Serie B who could compete in the bottom end of the championship. The the way that the, the quality is aligned meant that they were out of their depth. And he's got better and better. And he was brilliant this season, limited number of games, but didn't put a foot wrong and playing at a, a more demanding level than he ever would have been with um, Hockaday or Evans or any of those wankers. And so, yeah, it, it kind of, some players have had the season achievement, you know, like Helder Costa has come in, has been very good and deserves every bit of the credit for being part of a title winning team. Some players like Brady and then Liam Cooper, who joined a couple of weeks later, have put in about as much as you would expect a footballer to put into getting promoted. There's never going to be a player doing 16 years uh, trying to make something like this happen, but Berardi and Cooper have, have, uh, have come pretty close. And Cooper will have the, the reward of captaining Leeds in the Premier League. Berardi's got the, the reward of a fuck knee, and it doesn't seem fair to me. And also congratulations to him. I mean, if we're, if we're to read his picture the way most people would that he's also expecting a baby as well with his girlfriend so that is good I think many people have been made pregnant by photos of Berardi in the past but it's good to know that he's actually having a a baby with his girlfriend as well and not in the direction of Calvin Phillips if we can as well for staying with us for this season when it turns out as Angus Kinnear revealed uh, in the wake of our promotion that that was never necessarily cut and dried that he was staying he had the opportunity to get out of uh, out of town and make some more money with Villa and he could have finished what? Oh, 17th. That'd have been amazing, wouldn't it? Jumping around, Jack Grealish sliding off you in the changing room, that oily little prick. I do love what Calvin said about this himself, his interview with Phil Hay, where he said if he had put himself in that position, I'd have been absolutely devastated. There you go. Write that across Villa Park. Just put that. I'd have been absolutely devastated to join this club. Honestly, I would. And yeah, he said he's, told Phil that he was he genuinely didn't know what to do last season. And it's probably there's some props for Victor Orta in this because he said he was on the verge of... He said, I was on the verge of saying I wanted to leave, but at the same time, I didn't want to say it. Aston Villa were offering him a lot and losing in the playoffs had killed him. And he said, uh, I came in one day and Victor Orta said to me, listen, if you want to leave, then just let me know. If you want to leave, tell me right now and I'll sell you. And Calvin said, I don't know. So Victor said, well, if you don't know, I'm not selling you. 
And it sounds like um, that was a big factor in him in making his mind up. I, I imagine Victor shirtless and clutching him tightly around the neck while he says this to him. I'm not selling you. I'm not selling you then. Okay, Victor, don't worry about it. It is good advice, though, from a, somebody senior to a, a young lad saying, well, if you, if you don't know, then I'm not going to let you make a, a stupid decision. You'll stay here unless you absolutely know this is what you want to do. And then the, the aspect that Angus Kinnear's put on it is that it, it was an absolutely crazy financial decision to stay at Leeds for another season. But it's worked out. It's it's the things that um, that have ended ended up with that everybody wants. There was another article. I've, there was so much sort of uh, so many column inches to get through when I finally sort of worked up the the time and space to read everything everyone had been writing about promotion. Somebody said about Marcelo Bielsa that he's the the purest expression of, of football. That it's all about trying to win and trying to do something good and trying to turn this horrible financially motivated shit show into something that leaves you actually feeling like you've you've done something worthwhile and that's essentially what calvin phillips has has done he's left the money on aston villa's table and he's come away with a medal and memories and the love of a city and you need somebody like bielsa and it sounds like in this conversation victor or to help him along the way to say what's going to be more important to you in the next 12 months is it a little bit more money at a shithouse club playing with absolute wankers like Grealish or the chance to win the league with Leeds. And it's rare, it feels rare in modern football that you can actually get a player's attention in that way where they'll go, yeah, actually, I'm going to try and go for the trophy. In the championship as well. It's not even like a, a Premier League thing where you can, you know, you can maybe say, well, we're going for the league. You're moving from a top four club to a top four club. It was a... A big decision, and uh, it's nice to see some purity in this world. The Phillips quandary is one that's been there for a lot of players over the years, because I dare say, as much as he would have seen, he'd be devastated to look back and not have been part of it. I kind of suspect that Jermaine Beckford and Robert Snodgrass and Becchio have probably looked at promotion to the Premier League as well and gone, I'd have quite fancied doing that with Leeds. Because I think they're all players who did buy into it to a point, but then they got to the point Phillips got to and went, do you know what, fuck this. We're not doing anything, are we? That was always it with Snodgrass, and that's where the, it's great that the club has got to this point because Warnock and Bates tried to convince Snodgrass, like, no, no, we're going to have a real good go of it. And he said, fuck off, you're going to finish 15th. And so I'm leaving. And you could not dispute that with him at all because we fucking did. Whereas um, we're actually at the point where we can uh, make a players' dreams come true as well as the fans. So we're selling this summer instead, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Well, his, his value will have gone up on it. Oh, beautiful. What a sentiment there to finish on. <laughs> right, who's our hero? I want to give this to Leeds United Football Club. What about the bus? <laughs> ah, it's, it's a tiny misstep in what has been a year-long expression of joy. And we're able to look back on what has been an amazing season now properly and I think appreciate it for its true value. It has been ridiculously good, in fairness. I don't think any of us expected to win the league by 10 points, even optimistic Moscow. You wouldn't have thought we'd, we'd win it by such a margin, would you? I quite enjoyed, um, I only saw it in passing on Twitter this morning, but somebody pulled up a, an article that said we pipped West Brom to the title by 10 points. <laughs> and taking it up with the, with the, uh, the Football Clichés account, um, Adam Hurry saying, is this, a, this is an incorrect usage of pipped, isn't it? A pipping, it's, 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 two, it's a two point, is a, a, maybe three. I'd say three points is the minimum you can pip someone by. We absolutely pissed it in the end. And not only the... Uh, 
the league table in the end, but when you look at goals scored and chances created and how little the defence gave away, we were absolutely top in absolutely everything. Those graphs that, that show where statistically we compare to the other clubs and they've had to actually extend the axis to fit Leeds United on just shows how exceptionally they've played this season and all of them from uh, without getting to Bielsa and getting into naming the lovely lady from the kitchens who was bringing soup. They said very delicious soup that was being left on his doorstep all throughout um, throughout the lockdown by one of the uh, the staff in the kitchens at, at Thorpe Arch. But they've done well, the football club. No match balls now until we're back in the Premier League. We've got extra ball on the way, some championship manager. And please, if you have bought uh, some of our merchandise, we want to extend our thanks to you. Please accept that um, from us because um, we're really grateful that you're keeping us off the streets for a little bit longer. And if you want to buy more, that's fine as well. There's a whole selection of fine mugs, T-shirts, prints, everything you could possibly need to engorge yourself on our glorious championship and promotion. Uh, you can get all that at the squareball.net. If you do engorge yourself on them, we won't be offering exchanges for larger sizes, though, so bear that in mind. Get your Levi's discount as well, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. We'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 